everyone, and welcome to our second Faith and Family podcast. And today I'm so excited because I'm joined with Kathy Colway, one of our Colonial staff members. Kathy, you want to say hi? Hi. I'm so excited to have somebody do it with me this time. It's going to be so much better than just me by myself. Uh, Kathy, will you talk a little bit about your role on staff? Sure. I am the Associate for Spiritual Formation with the Emerging Generations team. Um, And I come into that role with a lot of experience in Christian education and curriculum writing and pastoring. I often refer to Kathy as our living Emerging Generations Google. And we can ask her all the questions. And she knows just so much wisdom. Today, we're going to talk with a speaker that we have coming on October 27th for a faith and family class. Her name is Dawn Rundman, and she's going to share with us in a little bit. But before we dive into our interview with her, we wanted to talk a little bit about why we asked her to come. Yes, Dawn is um, someone who knows a ton about brain science. She actually has as a PhD in brain science. And she has done a lot of her work um, in connecting brain science and faith formation. So she is one of the only people that I know that has taken all of this knowledge about how the brain works and what that means for faith formation and how kids and young adults develop specifically um, their spiritual side. I'm so excited to hear her share more about that. Well, you know, what I think is interesting is, you know, most people have one or two or three kids. So you only go through those stages of faith development one or two or maybe three times. But when you do youth ministry, when you do, uh, you know, research like Dawn has done, you find that there are really, you know, like every 13 year old goes through this certain phase and you can start to recognize it when, you know, you've done ministry for 10 years or if you've worked with 13 year olds for 10 years, you can start to see the pattern and, you know, it helps you go, oh, okay. Like my kid isn't weird or crazy or, you know, like he is just like every other 13 year old out there. And this is just how those brain snaps are working right now. Even though like it, it feels like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through 13? (laughs) Right. And I was just thinking in my head, like, I find myself thinking, how am I going to get through my infant stage of life right now? Like I have a I have a six month old and her first four months of life were just her crying all the time, nonstop, no matter what we did. And I found myself thinking like, this is just a phase, just a phase. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. And now, even though she's just six months and still very little, I find myself missing some of those early newborn days. Like she doesn't snuggle up and take naps on my chest anymore. And I miss some of those moments and these phases that are so difficult and so challenging in the moment. We just want to get through. They go by so fast. And before we know it, they're in the next phase. So instead of focusing, it's just a phase. I have to get through it. We can spin it as it's just a phase. We don't want to miss it, which I think Don will help encourage us with ways to make that shift. I have a 13 year old son 
And, you know, I've done, I've worked with teenagers and done youth ministry forever and ever. And, um, you know, I always felt with him, like I was not a great parent, zero to 10. I was just sort of hanging on by the skin of my teeth. But like, (laughs) now that he's hit 13, I'm like, okay, I can do this. But you're right. Every age and every stage has a beautiful, you know, moment that we as parents should honor and capture and be present for and be joyful in. And um, every stage can can teach both the kids something and the parents something too, I think. And Dawn, Dawn is so gifted at um, explaining every stage and she is a mother herself. So she has two high schoolers and, um, you know, she's also one of those moms that I just would go to for advice. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great conversation. And I think it's even going to be great for people who aren't parents or their parent, their kids have grown and their grandparents or whatever season of life they're in. Because even when we think about the church and we think about the kids who are running around in our building. You know, I've worked with middle schoolers for over a decade and anytime somebody finds out what I do for a living, they're like, Oh, God bless you. You are really a saint. <laughs> and I think I hear that all the time because middle schoolers can seem like, seem like a tough crowd, but I think that's because people just don't understand who they are and they don't understand the beauty of who they are and what's going on with them. And so I think, our churches can step up in that sense of we can love the kids in the building exactly as they are. And we can see them as these beautiful gifts from God instead of, Oh, let's just occupy them in the back of the church until they grow up to be real members of the community. We can, we can engage them with who they are right now. And yeah, I think everybody, whether you're an aunt, a grandma, an uncle, you know, an older cousin, I think any, everybody will be able to um, take something away from this conversation. So let's dive in with our conversation with Don Runman. Don, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about yourself and your background and how you ended up in this field. Sure. Um, well, I'm Dawn Rundman, and I'm so glad to be um, spending time with you and eventually spending time with some families. And uh, I am currently um, a resource developer and direct faith formation resources at a publisher called 1517 Media and have actually worked on faith formation curriculum for almost 20 years now. Wow. My background um, is actually in academia. So when I graduated from college, I went to graduate school at the University of Oregon and got a PhD in developmental psychology and then had a, um, a position as a professor at Concordia University in Chicago for six years before deciding that um, my husband and I decided, hey, let's move to the Twin Cities. And we found a, this great uh, position in publishing that I've really enjoyed over all these years. And so I grew up um, in the church. My dad is a Lutheran pastor. We lived, you know, literally next door to the church. Uh, When you were washing dishes, you could actually look into my dad's office and see him at his desk. So, wow. (laughs) um, Yeah, I like, I grew up very, very close to the church. And how did you start 
um, getting interested in brain science and developmental stages. So I, I was very fortunate to be in a graduate school that was looking at some of those really big initial questions about like, what do we know about brain development in very young children? Um, what can we measure? What can we see? And from there, the field has really um, developed in incredible ways to show that starting from birth, um, we can help to shape uh, pathways in young children's brains by the experiences that we provide. So there's part of development that's just the trajectory that's gonna happen because of our DNA, but there are so many parts of brain development that can be shaped by what experiences you have. And so I was in this highly academic, um, you know, scientific environment for these four years and really inspired by that. So I just began to wonder about questions of like, what is it about church contexts? Um, what is it about family contexts that could actually start helping young children's brains be shaped in a way where they start with this understanding of being loved by God and by their families? So Dawn, on the 27th, when you come to talk to us in person, mm -hmm. you're going to really walk us through all of the developmental developmental stages, right? Birth to 18. How do these like developmental stages help us love our kids? So um, in looking at the stages of development, which I typically talk about as birth to three and then preschoolers, and then we talk about lower elementary, upper elementary, um, you know, sort of preteen moving into adolescence. Um, it can all build on each other if we have an understanding of how experience helps shape the brain. But the things that we do and the way that we tell the story about who God is and who Jesus is, that can change and grow. Right, right. And in the class, I know you're going to cover all the developmental stages, but since this is just a short podcast and only a sneak peek of what you'll share in that class on October 27th, let's just focus on one stage today, the zero to five range. And Don, give us some ideas on how we can shape the faith in our youngest family members. Good yeah, book. I've written a book it's called Little Steps, Big Faith, How the Science of Early Childhood Development Can Help You Grow Your Child's Faith. So I'll have copies there. Um, and so three of my chapters talk about music, um, language, and literacy. Mm -hmm. um, music just having to do with sort of saying, like, what is the soundtrack to our family's life? And how might we make sure that there are some faith-based songs there? Um, another area um, that I mentioned is language. That is, what language are we using with our children? So there's a way to have faith language, um, which doesn't always have to be quoting Bible verses, but what are the words you use um, for your little one before they go down for a nap? Oh, God loves you so much, and so do I, right? Mm -hmm. um, something like that. So those are the last words that they hear before they go to sleep. Um, we, we have to consider that by the time a child turns three, they've heard tens of millions of words. All the different words that kids know, like my kid can name every type of construction truck that I don't even know the words for, but how many words have I taught him about God and how many words mm -hmm. have I taught him about faith? And I'm a paid <laughs> youth minister, so you think I would have been focusing on that a little bit more, but it's never too late to... To add right. Mm -hmm. So what I invite families to do, and again, I don't want to should this, um, but what I invite families to do is to start thinking about what language of faith do we use in our homes? 
Um, so that could be pray like more formal, like forms of prayer before we say a meal or a blessing, but it can also be sort of how you talk about the world around you, how you talk about um, what you're called to do, maybe to, to help people. God calls us to help people. And in mommy's job, you know, I can help people or, or that sort of thing, but starting to really sort of, again, weave in language of helping your child see a faith lens for viewing the world. Yeah. So I really want, I, I really try to avoid the word should like families should do this to, to instead say like, what are all these moments you have in daily life and where might there be like some faith weaving times? I love that imagery, the faith weaving and just thinking about when, what are you already doing during your day or during your nighttime routine that you can weave faith into it? I think that's such a, that's such a relief for parents. And especially, you know, I have a three-year-old and a six month old. So that makes me feel like I can add some of these things into, into our family life. Even times like, um, you know, diaper changes, because you, you know, you know, you're going to do diaper changes, but even, <laughs> even, um, you know, once you steal that thing back up, um, what if you gave your child a little, you know, a blessing, like a cross on the forehead or just a little tummy rub, or just say, you know, God is always with us. And then, you know, the ones he goes back on and you can start with your day, but something that helps pause just for a moment, that busyness of the day. Um, Nicole, you know, this, anyone who's done a lot of diaper changes knows mm -hmm. this. Um, sometimes you're just like, okay, how fast can I do this? Right. Or if it's in the middle of the night and you're so, so tired, it's just like, oh, I just want to go back to my bed. But giving that child, that baby, that toddler, your full attention, and they know when they've got it right. And they know what distraction is like. They know what half paying attention is like because of our phones mm -hmm. um, and other stuff going on. But when you give that baby your full attention with eye contact and the tummy rub, mommy loves you so much as you're, you know, as you're rubbing the tummy or another blessing that you can sort of, you know, decide in the wording for yourself, those moments where you can take this little holy pause mm -hmm. and give them words of faith. And like, if there can be tactile elements of it as well, or even like having a little bit of, you know, think about having a little bit of oil, like baby oil that be part of the ritual even is um, like, you know, connects us back to, you know, the biblical stories about anointing and, and mm -hmm. oil used for healing. And so, um, you know, a diaper change is a holy moment, right? Your, your baby is relying on you to be comfortable so that their skin doesn't get um, irritated or infected. Um, they're very vulnerable, um, just, you know, with their bottoms hanging out in the air and, um, and you're right there, right? You're just a couple feet away from each other. So even trying to reframe, and you don't have to do that every single time, but like reframing that um, because you do start to realize as your kids get older, like, oh, you know, they don't rely on me these for these things anymore. The physical touch that we had all these times, like that doesn't happen as much anymore. And so um, having those little holy moments, I think can be a really um, special and profound thing. Even if the child says they have no memory of that as they're older at the time, that is just strengthening your relationship with each other. That's strengthening their attachment. And that can be really powerful. Mm -hmm. I love that idea of the holy pause. I think that's something parents of any age kids can incorporate. I love that idea. Mm -hmm.
remember a parent telling me that she had figured out how she could have um, some Bible time with her little ones, which was to have the Bible with her in the bathroom when they took their bath. So she figured like, okay, they're going to be in one place. They're probably going to listen to me. And so she had the children's Bible that they were using. And that's where she would read Bible stories. And I thought that was such a, um, a, a brilliant way to think through, okay, what are they going to do already? Like they're going to take a bath. And like, that can be the time that I introduce the, the stories to them. And so it's fun and it's playful. And of course, we know there's plenty of Bible stories that have water in them. So there's even a way to, <laughs> to weave that in. So um, that's, that's one idea that I've heard out there that parents are using. Um, before we go to bed, we can read a story. Like if we have a pile of books that we go through, Nicole, I don't know what your bedtime routines are like with books, but sometimes kids get quite a stack, right? Yes. Um, yeah. We have quite a few books at nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so if, if one or more of those books are, you know, faith-based titles, or they talk about sort of values that we have as faithful believers. So um, looking at ways to like, how can that be part of um, their experience of, of reading and literacy to be able to see those things and, and have the faith language. And so we know, you know, even before kids learn to read, they memorize their favorite books, right? So imagine them memorizing those faith words that could be pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that time in the car, you know, families spend a lot of time in their car. And so for families to think about kind of a buckle blessing, like when you're buckling your child into their car seat, um, or, you know, when they're putting their seatbelt on, if they're in a booster chair, um, just having words, you know, God, keep us safe on our journeys. Amen. As you buckle, it's, it's simple. It takes less than 10 minutes to say, but it helps kids start to, to see like, oh, we're talking about God. And we're thinking about God's presence with us, not just when we're at home and not just when we're at church, but when we're out there in the world. Well, and I feel like, Dawn, you taught me that lesson probably when my son was, you know, pre-K. I, I have not done very much right along the way, but here's like the oh, one no. thing that I, you know, I remember on the very first day of Sam going to kindergarten, first, first day of school, you know, I said to him, like, right as he was getting on the bus, unleash the fabulous child of God, you know, and I just... I say that to him every single day, you know, and like, does it add anything to my schedule at all? No. Is it something that has become a tradition for the two of us to do together? Yes. You know, and, and now, you know, he's middle school now. So like I roll down the window and I'm unleashed the fabulous child of God and he rolls his eyes, but he still wants to hear it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be, I mean, you like, I'm so grateful that you taught me that lesson so early on in raising Sam, because it is about just weaving in little teeny tiny rituals at, at every, you know, like, and, and it's not about like, I need an extra hour to do Bible study at the end of the day. Right. 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 Oh, that's great. And I love Kathy, how you used the idea, but you chose the language. Yeah. Um, so when I share, like I, I um, just about every night, I always make the sign of the cross on my children's foreheads. And then I say their first and their name, their, their first and their middle name. And I say child of God. Um, so I share that story. And um, I, I borrowed that idea from a friend of mine who has kids who are older. I was like, that's a great idea. So I started, 
I started doing that. But as I've heard other parents talk about giving that blessing, which it, it's, it's nice. Sometimes it can have that tactile component or sometimes it's just sort of this bold proclamation, right? You as uh, the family, like you can decide what language feels right to you and kind of experiment with it. So it, it's, it becomes your ritual. And um, I just love the idea that he's like, oh, mom, but also like, you're not going to forget that, are you? Right. You're not going to forget like mom. So um, Dawn, give us advice for the adults in our community who maybe don't have kids Mm -hmm. um, and what kind of role models or what kind of role can they play in loving our children? Mm -hmm. I say adults that don't have kids, but, you know, I also mean like maybe an aunt that, you know, or a cousin or a grand, you know, grandma that doesn't see her kids every day, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's... Mm -hmm. And so to think that like worship is not to meet all my needs. Worship is the time where the imperfect people of God come together to worship and praise God and to support each other. Um, And so really thinking about what might God be calling me to see and hear and experience differently with this mindset of saying that children are welcome here. So with that, I would say to never, ever saying anything negative Mm. about kids and families like just start to say like this is something I'm not going to do I'm never ever going to say something and if you want to go a step further you could commit to say and if I hear anyone else do it I've got a little script I've practiced Mm. and I'm going to actually counter what they say Mm. now when it comes to like what do you what do you actually do um I would say if you do nothing else smile Mm. say and maybe even give yourself a little goal I am going to smile at five families this morning but just sort of start with smiling because those families and Nicole, you know, this, those families with little ones, do you know everything they had to do to get to church that morning? Right. They may have kids right? maybe on their second change of clothes, right. There could have right. been a poopy blowout. There could have been, you know, some spills. Um, so for that family to decide they're going to get up early enough and get ready that morning and actually go to church, like everybody, those, those families should get a medal, like every time for showing up. Yes. And so yes. I would say starting with a smile and um, maybe, starting with a smile and greeting. Go ahead. We can modify that to the COVID reality and wave to somebody if they can't yes. see your smile behind your mask. Yes. No? Yes. Thank you. Yes. For when okay. you're inside with masks. So, right. so a wave, a thumbs up, a peace sign, um, sort of deciding how you want to, how you want to do that so that when you're um, encountering those families, you do that. Um, and so I'd say that's a step that just about anybody can take. If you're sort of listening and discerning and thinking like, you know, I think I need to do more, um, greeting families and getting to know their names and starting to learn about them and make connections with them. And I will, I will say, um, find something to talk about with kids other than like, Oh, your dress is so pretty. (laughs) Right. Or don't make it about what they're wearing, but really, um, focusing on what's going to help them show that you're interested in their life and who they are. And, um, and saying things to the parents, like, I'm so glad to see your family here today. Right. And, and sort of being more proactive and letting those families know that they belong and they're welcome. And you don't care if the kid's walking or moving around or that sort of thing, because you're so glad that they're there. Yeah. Now I I'd say that's sort of a mid-level. If you really wanted to go like, um, more just sort of more living into the call of like who we are as God's family together. Like I had a member of my church, um, her name is Leslie and my husband traveled a lot. Um, 
for a while when my, when our kids were little. And so if I sat in a row, Leslie would find us and she'd sit on the other end. So the kids couldn't sort of escape out the other end of the row. Mm. And so sometimes, and we hear about this, right. And you may even think about people in um, your church family now who have sort of made that special connection with a particular family and they sort of do some childcare support scaffolding during worship. Right. As you, as you talk, the only thing I would add is like, you know, it, that relationship that you start with a four-year-old becomes incredibly important when they hit 13 or 14 or 15 and they, they don't want to sit with their parents anymore, (laughs) but they may sit with that adult who knows their name and has known their love of basketball or their love of dance for 10 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, there is, there is an evolution that happens with mm-hmm. that relationship when it started that early. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we can do with two-year-olds. It's something we can do with eight-year-olds. It's something we can do with 17-year-olds, like saying hello, sitting next to them and asking them questions about themselves. Like we can do that with any human of any age. Yeah. 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 Cause children are people, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And I think this church is so good at that. And we can keep doing that. And I know that they're good at it because they did it for me growing up. Mm -hmm. I was that kid that people would wave to, and they would ask me questions about what I was doing. And now I'm here with my kids and I'm seeing other people investing in my kids, but I'm so hopeful that all the families who come here will have the same experience that I did and that they feel like this is a place that supports them, that sees them and that encourages them in their faith. Well, we're coming to the end of our conversation for today, and we know there is so much more to talk about, which is why this is only the sneak peek for the faith and family class. So Kathy, remind us one more time when that is. Class is October 27th. It's our Wednesday night programming. Um, Dinner starts at 5.30, and then the class will be 6.30 to 7.30 in gathering room one. Dawn's going to give us a great presentation, and then we're going to leave lots of space for us to be able to ask Dawn questions. So everyone's invited to come to the class if you're a parent or a caretaker or you just love kids in this building. And we talked a lot about the youngest kids today, but we're going to talk about all the different developmental stages Mm -hmm. in the class, and we hope you can all join us. I love it. I feel like I have so many things I'm going to take away from this and incorporate into my own life. So thank you so much, Don, for all of this. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, my pleasure.